Discover the magic of integrating your financial, legal, and life planning. It's time for Smart Simple Wealth. Hey, it's another edition of Smart Simple Wealth. Walter Storholt here alongside Carrie Qureshi, estate and wealth planning attorney at Qureshi Law and Wealth, serving you in Arkansas, Tennessee, and Texas. Find us online at QureshiLaw.com. Check out the description of today's show for links, resources, and more information. On today's show, we're going to be talking about five beneficiary mistakes. Are you accidentally spoiling your retirement plan? I hope that is not the case. We're going to cover these five big mistakes on the show today. Plus, we've got a good question to wrap things up today from Martha, uh, turning 72 at the beginning of the year, thinking about her IRA. Got some questions surrounding that. Much more also on the way today. So let's get ready to dive in. Carrie will kick things off with a quote, as we always do here on the show. And this is from Abraham Lincoln, a man who needs no introduction. Uh, In the end, it's not the years in your life that count. It's the life in your years. That's a good sentiment to begin things. Yeah. He's wise for a reason, right? So so live (laughs) your life. (laughs) Make it count. Yeah, uh, Abraham was on the uh, the high end of the spectrum of wisdom, I would say. That is for sure. Uh, well, there we go. With that idea in mind, let's start talking about our main topic of the day today, five beneficiary mistakes, and let's see if we're spoiling our retirement plan if we're making some of these, because unfortunately, beneficiary mistakes are common, and if you're making one of these, it could cost you, it could cost your loved ones dearly, and so even some of the simplest mistakes can spoil an otherwise well-done retirement plan. So let's dive into these, Carrie. Number one on the list is naming minors as beneficiaries. Where does this go wrong? Yeah, and so th- we see this all the time when we're looking at, you know, retirement plans and, and working with the estate plans. But if you name a minor child as the beneficiary, they can't receive that benefit until they're 18. And we actually had this happen. I had a client, unfortunately, her husband had passed away early. He was only in his 40s, and he had named his twin daughters um, that were nine at the time as a beneficiary on the life insurance policy. And obviously, the life insurance policy couldn't pay out to the minors because they were nine. And so it would just sit at the life insurance company and like a little trust fund earning 0% interest or, you know, minimal interest. And then eventually, when the girls turn 18, they're going to get that money. But the mom couldn't do anything with it. And so that is a huge no-no. There are much better ways um, to get children, you know, the funds or get them to the parents or put it in a trust. But we definitely never want to see a minor name on a beneficiary designation. All right. It's one of those ones that could just seem so easy. Like, of course, I want to pass money, you know, onto my kids, onto onto those beneficiaries, you know, onto my minor kids. But you can create some big problems um, in certain situations. So that's a big one. All right. uh, Number two, big accident uh, to have this happen in your financial plan, not coordinating your beneficiary designation and your will. Where does this create problems? Yes. And so most people, they don't realize that a beneficiary designation overrides your will. Okay. So we're always going to look at what does a beneficiary designation say and it never, the money never makes it to the will. So, for example, if you had an IRA and you said, I leave it to my spouse, but then in your will, you say, I leave my IRA to my child, it's never going to get to your child because the beneficiary designation will override the will. So you definitely want to go back, make sure that you don't have any conflicting information um, so that everything, you know, gets passed according to your wishes. 
Excellent. And that's a really important one to remember, I think, because a lot of people think, you know, one trumps the other and often they're wrong on some of those different things. And so, yeah, you can just I'm sure you've seen story after story of people. You've probably saved a lot of people from that mistake, I would imagine, when you review their documents. I hope I hope we have. Um, That's something that we always check on. And like I said, I've seen a lot of that naming uh, minors and some of these other mistakes that we're going to talk about here in a minute. Yep. Very good. All right. The uh, third one on the list, five beneficiary mistakes. Make sure you're not making these, not naming alternative or successor beneficiaries. What's the big issue here? Yeah. And so a lot of people, I mean, they'll put a a primary beneficiary and and list that person. Um, But you also need to name a contingent beneficiary. That is your backup. And that is just in case that primary, if they pass away before you do, we've, we've had that happen as well. And so make sure you have, you know, at least one backup, if not two, just to make sure that it doesn't default to your estate and have to go through probate or would cause any type of conflict. Yeah, that would be uh, a really bad one. I mean, how many do you need to add, Carrie? Is there a limit? You know, can you just have this whole like cascading list of, uh, you know, like like the presidential succession plan? You know, <laughs> you've got like eight plan B, C, D, and F. <laughs> you know, it works really well with our clients that have trust set up because normally we name the spouse as the primary beneficiary and their living trust as a contingent. And the living trust has all those backup plans. They have, you know, to the kids or grandkids and all that's you know, already written into the trust. But if you don't have that, if you have just a will or you don't even have a will at all, you maybe need to dig a little deeper and and have multiple backups. And a lot of times they'll have a little checkbox that will say per stirpies, meaning if that person passes away, do you want it to go to their children? That's per stirpies. That's the definition. So a lot of times that, that, if you check that, is that not box. A medical, that is not a medical term. <laughs> no, it's an awful <laughs> legal term that nobody understands. But per stirpies means it's going to drop down to their children in equal shares. So if you check that, it does cascade a little bit more like what you're talking about. Okay, very cool. Uh, And then number four, naming your estate as a beneficiary. That's not great, right? This is another one of my no-nos. It almost comes, you know, right up there with naming minors. And what's crazy is I have seen CPAs and financial advisors tell clients to name their estate as a beneficiary. But don't do that. That forces this retirement plan or life insurance policy into probate. And if you would have named somebody, a person or a trust on your beneficiary designation, it would have passed outside of probate. And probate is not fun. We are always at our office. We want to avoid probate as much as possible. So never, never name your estate as a beneficiary and force it into probate unless there is some underlying reason where we had to go through probate system. Okay, very good. Is uh, is not doing some of the things that we've talked about on the show today essentially naming your estate as your beneficiary? Like if you if you make some of these other mistakes, is it is that what it eventually turns into anyway? Is naming that estate? Yeah, eventually, because if you don't have a backup um, named um, as a beneficiary and, and and maybe the primary passed away and there's nobody else to go to, it defaults to the estate. Um, and so, yes, that that is what we're trying to avoid because you know, like we talked about on multiple. Podcasts, you know, probate is not fun. It's expensive. It's very time consuming. Um, and there are definitely easier ways to plan around it. Okay, excellent. Last but not least, try not to make errors on your application. Sometimes simple things can really then, you know, just kind of mess up the whole process. 
Yeah, and so we just want to make sure, you know, did we spell the beneficiary's name correctly? Um, a lot of times they ask for a date of birth or a social security number. So you want to double check that, especially if it's not your children. So like if it's a niece or nephew and maybe you're not 100% sure of their social security number, date ma- of birth. Make sure the right Bob Smith gets the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so we always want to look at those at least once a, y- a year, pull out that designation form, make sure it's correct. Um, if things need to be updated, it's very easy to update with the financial institutions. But we don't ever want it um, to be confusing about which beneficiary it's going to. So definitely just double check that from time to time. Okay, very good. There you have it, the five beneficiary mistakes that you want to avoid. If you are accidentally making some of those or if you have some question marks perhaps about this topic, you're not sure. Maybe maybe I did name my kid as a beneficiary and, and they're only 10 or 12 or 5 or whatever the case may be. Is that a problem? Uh, or, or maybe they're 20, but, you know, is that still the right <laughs> – and they, and they still can't manage the money, right? Is I don't that want still my a wise decision? The money. Yeah. You may not run into the estate, the estate issue, but is that still a problem? Um, lots of questions like that that people have. That's the legacy planning. That's the magic that uh, Carrie brings together where she integrates all this stuff together in under one umbrella. So it's it's your financial life, it's your legal life, and life planning, uh, just in general, looking at uh, you know this this legacy that you're going to leave behind and uh, how to handle that. And that is just such an important part of the planning process. If you want to talk to Carrie a little bit about your beneficiaries, about your different portfolios and plans, and how to make sure everything is set up properly uh, to integrate those different things, give her a call at 870-275-4304. And in fact, this is one of the big pieces of the free retirement report card that Carrie and the team have created for you to take and to go through, where you're going to learn about risk management, advanced financial planning, tax-efficient strategies, medical and healthcare concerns, and of course, the big one, income when it comes to your retirement and your finances. This report card, again, it's free. It's going to help you find out if you're on track to make the honor roll or if you're going to have to go back to summer school to get ready for retirement. And so if you want to find out more about those five key areas of retirement success and get your own retirement report card, you can run that with Carrie and the team at 870-275-4304 or at CoratiLaw.com. And you can check our show description for contact information to get more info on that retirement report card. But that would be great to take. And uh, also to talk to Carrie about those beneficiaries if you think you might be slipping up in any of those areas. More coming up on today's show. We've still got a great question from Martha to dig into. And up next, we're going to get to know Carrie a little bit better. It's getting to know you time. All right, Carrie, fun question to consider this month. If you won the lottery, what would you do first? Well... You probably already know this, but I think with my background, the first thing I would do would be to create a private anonymous trust so that nobody, you know, friends, family, they would not know that I won the lottery. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. So that that's a practical that's my, a practical standpoint. You're probably thinking I was gonna go and like splurge on something or buy something, I, but I my, thought, my first is horses, illegal. <laughs> I thought horses might be the answer. My mm-hmm. answer was gonna be, yeah, call you, uh, Carrie, and help me set something up to do the exact same thing you're describing. So yeah. um I'll do the horses after I get the trust. Set okay, up. so that, yeah. that would be the number Okay, so what's the first fun thing you would do with the money? How about that? Oh, fun thing? Yeah. I would probably, honestly, before horses, I would probably buy like a condo or a beach house ah, in Destin. Nice. That would be my splurge. I would, I keep my same house and just okay. pay it off. But I would, I, I want a Destin beachfront property. 
Nice, nice. Um, I've not been to Destin, but I've heard it's very nice and uh, well liked by a lot of people. And that it's a place I definitely have to go check out sometime. So yep. I'm going to add that to my list. What would you do? What would be your fun thing after after calling me and getting all the planning out of the way? <laughs> So, you know, uh, we live in Colorado now, but we still have a lot of family, friends, and my business is in North Carolina. My parents are retiring to Maine, and so I think what I would do is just get a house in each of those places. And so that would be that would be my fun thing. I'd get a nice house on the water in North Carolina, a nice house on the water in Maine, and then somewhere here in Colorado, get something cool that's got a mountain view and all that so we can... Ski, snowboard, you know, in the winter out here, go for hiking, but then we can make our trips to the beach and, and do some boating and then easy access to go visit, hang out with the parents up in Maine. So, yeah, I'd just be doing a lot of bouncing around and travel probably. So Nope, that sounds perfect. Yeah, got a couple of houses in each place. You got you got home wherever you go. Uh, that, that'd be uh, that'd be our pick, I think. That'd be fun to do. That and maybe I'd buy a whole bunch of more corgis. Go go adopt oh. a bunch of corgis and have them. I, I want I'd want to be like the queen and have like ten corgis running around me all the time. That would just be like. Oh my a very... gosh! Yeah, <laughs> a, we call them a gaggle. A we gaggle, call them a gaggle of corgis because I think yes. it's like a gaggle of geese. And my husband and I have somehow we've seen all these like you know the big herds of corgis and we got I to calling it. them a gaggle of corgis. But I don't think I could handle more than. Two. That is true. Two well, is yeah. kind of like my maximum. Uh, oh, w- with that might come like hiring someone to take care, you know, to do all the feeding and all of the other stuff, taking taking care of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. There you go. You got to hire a, a corgi nanny as part yes. of that. Yes, yes. Perfect. <laughs> all right. Very good. Uh, fun to dream about that stuff. Um, and uh, we will, you know, this year I'm sure the Mega Millions or the Powerball will get up to that billion plus mark again throughout the year. So we'll all, we'll all have those dreams a couple of times this year of, oh, what, what, what if, what if? All right, let's get to a more realistic question and thing to think about. That's Martha's question. This is a good one. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. All right, Martha in uh, Paragould has this question. I turned 72 at the beginning of the year, she says. So I'll have to start taking money out of my IRA this year, even though I don't really need it. Can I just take it out and reinvest it right back into something else? That's a great question. And we actually deal with this a lot with our clients that, you know, have to start taking RMDs, which are required minimum distributions out of their tax deferred money. So like an IRA or 401k. And so that money is being forced out and you have to take it. You have to pay the tax on it because the IRS wants their tax dollars. But if you don't need it, you can invest it into something else. You just have to put it into a, a brokerage or a standard investment account. It cannot go back into an IRA or any type of 401k account. Um, so you can invest it and let it grow again. Um, but the other thing I wanted to point out, it's not really you know what you asked on the question, but it is important since you're turning 72 this year, is that as of last month in 2022, Congress passed the Secure 2.0 Act, which actually raised the RMD to age 72. Three. So you won't have an RMD this year turning 72. It's actually going to be until you're 73. So wait one more year and then you'll have to take that RMD um, and then you can invest it into a taxable investment account. Hope that helps. Very good. Great question, Martha. Thanks for sending that one into us. If you'd like to get a little bit deeper into the conversation about your financial plan with Carrie, don't hesitate to reach out. 870-275- 4304 is that number. And again, if you want to take the free retirement report card and get those, uh, you know, really good assessments of where you stand in those five key areas of retirement success, reach out again by calling 870-275-4304 
or contact Carrie another way through the different uh, contact methods we have in the description for you in today's show. Carrie, thank you so much for all of your help on the program today. Looking forward to catching up with you in March. Absolutely. And I just wanted to say happy four-year anniversary, Walter. It is February. We have been doing this podcast no for way. Four, four years. years. Oh, my yes. gosh. How much so. has changed in those four years? My goodness. That is yeah. And, and to think wild. we've had four years of content to talk about. And as my husband says, I'll probably have another 40 years of stuff, stuff to talk about. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It, 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 never a dull moment in the financial world of tracking the changes, and especially with you also in the tax world and estate planning the rules are constantly morphing all around us so lots to keep people up to date with for sure as it changes over time so well congratulations to you and, and happy anniversary we got to be getting close to uh here let, let me check carrie where are we i think we you know what this is exciting your next show so march will be your 50th show. oh my goodness so that's a little, so cool. little, little bit of a milestone show coming up yeah next time. that's a big deal thanks for checking on that we'll we'll, we'll, we'll celebrate that'll be fun <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks, Carrie. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you again next month. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. And we'll see you next time on Smart Simple Wealth. Did you know you can subscribe to the Smart Simple Wealth podcast with your favorite app? It's on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and dozens of other places where you listen to podcasts. And if it's not on an app you'd like to use, let us know and we'll get it on there. To make sure you never miss an episode, just search Smart Simple Wealth on your favorite podcasting platform today and subscribe. Investment advisory services offered through Pegasus Wealth Coaching, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Legal services provided by Qureshi Law Firm, PLLC. The Qureshi Law Firm and Pegasus Wealth Coaching are not affiliated in any way. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and are not intended as investment or legal advice. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Consult your financial professional before making any investment decision. Information provided does not create an attorney-client relationship and cannot substitute for obtaining legal advice from an attorney admitted to practice law in your state.